Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to Bill's uh, Facebook study. We are studying through the Old Testament and the daily Bible reading uh, schedule of F. Lagard Smith. You've heard me talk a lot about that. Welcome, welcome. I'm Bill Allen coming to you live from uh, downtown Tyler, Texas, where we're getting some much needed rain off and on and a little bit of a drop in the temperatures and that's quite a blessing. Uh, if you're not watching live, then hello to you as well, wherever you might be and whenever you're able to watch this. You can see it uh, after it's done and posted on my Facebook page, also on our West Irwin Church of Christ pages, uh, West Irwin Live and West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages, and on our website, uh, westirwin.com. You can look for the live streaming part and scroll down and get to the video archives. That's got a little bit different look to it because we've tried to uh, get... Uh, that a little bit updated. Uh, actually, we is not correct. The ones who know what they're doing on that, such as our wonderful secretary and others, uh, Eric Mosley, Sharon Hammond, uh, there's been a, a few that have been working on that that know what they're doing, and John Shaw and others, and that's not Bill. So appreciate all of you who are able to do such things, and I'm glad to be able to try to point you to it as best I can. Um, but we uh, are going through the uh, Old Testament. We're in the time of the exile, um, around 600 B.C., uh, in the days of Jeremiah and Habakkuk and Ezekiel and Daniel. We were introduced to Daniel on Tuesday and looked at him and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their great faith as they just began uh, being a part of the first group of uh, Jews who were taken into captive by the Babylonians. The temple and the walls and the whole city will be destroyed. Most all of the remaining uh, uh, citizens will be taken into exile. That will come a little bit later than where we are now, about uh, maybe 15 or so years from now in 586 BC. But where we are now is right around 597 BC, somewhere around there, 600 BC. Dates are a little bit obscure, especially when you're talking about ancient times, including the Old Testament, a little bit easier to track the New Testament. But here in, um, in uh, 597 BC is the second group that is taken into captivity. Daniel and, and his three friends were taken be, it, during the first uh, uh, deportation, uh, somewhere around 605 BC. Now it's a little bit later, and Ezekiel is one of those, along with 10,000 of his countrymen, uh, who are taken into Babylon and into exile. Uh, this is still some of the ones that are the better ones of the land. And then in 586 BC, they are going to come in and just take everybody and destroy everything. And remember, this is not just because of the power of the Babylonians. This is the hand of God. He warned them time and time again, as he said, through my servants, the prophets, and they would not hear, and they would not repent, and they did not listen. And so this is the culmination of all of those warnings. Uh, while Jeremiah continues his long ministry in Jerusalem for decades, really, Ezekiel is now called to speak for almost the whole time, probably the whole time that they're in exile in Babylon. Uh, Ezekiel is now called to speak God's message to his fellow exiles there. Uh, it's interesting that Jer Jeremiah is a contemporary of Ezekiel, but we don't know if they ever met. Uh, if, it would have to have been, obviously, before Ezekiel was taken into captivity with the exiles, and that's probably not likely. 
But Jeremiah is preaching in Babylon, in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Ezekiel is preaching in Babylon. Uh, and the next two weeks or so of reading in our daily Bible readings uh, will be filled with the words and the prophecies of these two men. And we've already seen a lot uh, from them uh, just uh, in this week and with Jeremiah in the weeks previous. Uh, they're speaking to their countrymen and to their nation as Jerusalem falls and the southern kingdom of Judah ceases to exist. It's the saddest time uh, in Israeli history, really, because they had so much and they had drifted so far and it was all taken away. Uh, we will be looking at uh, their words, starting with Ezekiel. We'll share a little bit from Jeremiah 29 in a little bit, but let's look first at Ezekiel. Uh, he sounds like a guy that is experiencing things similar to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, and we saw his calling. Uh, also to Daniel and some of his visions later in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, and of course John on the island of Patmos in exile himself in uh, the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. So some of the things you're reading, you might say, yeah, no, I think I've read something like that before. Well, you likely have. Good work. Uh, look at Ezekiel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In my 30th year, so he's 30 years old, in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God, clearly among the exiles in Babylon. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. There, the hand of the Lord was on him. So Ezekiel is 30 years old, the age when priests uh, are actually assigned to start doing the priestly work. And Ezekiel is a priest. He is a descendant of Aaron, the brother of Moses, the priestly tribe, the priestly family. Remember, Levi uh, was one of the sons of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had the 12 sons and a daughter. One of those sons was Levi. Jesus descended from Judah. Uh, King Saul defended, descended uh, from uh, Benjamin, as was the Apostle Paul. Uh, but the priestly tribe was Levi. And then later on, in the time of Moses, Aaron was chosen. Remember his rod that budded miraculously when the other descendants of Aaron started squawking because they were being left out? Um, well, Aaron became the priestly tribe. He was the first high priest, and then uh, the, the priests were taken from his descendants. Well, uh, John the Baptist, uh, both of his parents were descendants of Levi, and uh, John the Baptist himself was. Ezekiel is descended uh, from uh, Levi and from Aaron and is a priest. He is called in his 30th year while in exile in Babylon. And he begins to see these incredible visions that you're starting to read about. Uh, and we, we read that starting right here in chapter 1. The verses that follow again, it sounds much like uh, what you read in Revelation or Daniel. Uh, and so we turn to chapter 2, and this is Ezekiel's call. <clears throat> chapter 2, he said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. So Ezekiel is called to prophesy. He's called to share them the message, the word of the Lord from the sovereign Lord himself. And God is already preparing him for them not to listen. Um, and so Ezekiel is going to be a prophet against a rebellious, stubborn nation, but not the Babylonians, uh, not the Philistines or the Amalekites or anybody like that that we've already seen. Rather, these are the people of the Jews, the descendants of Abraham, those who had been faithful to King David and had been living in the southern kingdom of Judah. Ezekiel is called a watchman in the next chapter, in Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. This is, a, this is a message to preachers today, but also a message to all Christians. We have this same message. Ezekiel is told, look, if I tell someone, hey, they're, they're being unfaithful, they're going to die, and you don't warn them, then they will die, but you will also be held accountable. What does that say to us when we refuse to warn others uh, and to share with them the love and grace of God seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also the God of justice who refuses uh, to be around sin. Um, Ezekiel was called to be faithful to that message, so are we. Verse 19, But if you do warn the wicked person, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin still, but you will have saved yourself. So it's up to us to teach and to preach and to share. Whether others hear that or not, just like in the days of Isaiah, uh, God tells Ezekiel, it's going to be rough, a rough road for you to hoe. It's going to be hard for you to go down this road and this path. And there are going to be a, people that reject you. But if you share my word faithfully and they reject you, I will hold them accountable. But you will have saved yourself. We too are watchmen. God has given us that great message just as surely as he gave it to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We are called upon to share that message uh, as faithful as they did. Um, in chapter 4, it's an interesting thing. Some of you are going to really love this. You builders, you, you folks that like to get uh, your hands dirty and, and do stuff with your hands, here's Ezekiel 4, a great passage for you. Now, son of man, take a block of clay, put it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Then lay siege to it. Erect siege works against it, build a ramp up to it, set up camps against it, and put battering rams around it. Then take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege, and you shall besiege it. This will be a sign to you, uh, a sign to the people of Israel. Uh, and he goes on and talks about that as well. So in the days of Lincoln Logs of long ago, and now perhaps uh, other ways that Lego uh, building blocks and all of that stuff that they can use, that kids use today, um, that's what Ezekiel is told to do. Uh, build, get a piece of clay, draw the city of Jerusalem on it, uh, let it harden, and then lay siege to it. 
and at the proper time, he's going to break through that. Uh, the people, the, remember, he's talking to the people in exile. They can't look across the field or across the way and the, see the city of Jerusalem. And so uh, Ezekiel is told to demonstrate what's going to be going on in the city uh, for them. Even later, when the city is destroyed after the walls are breached, Ezekiel will be the one that will uh, share that news with those in exile. We look ahead in the book of Ezekiel and turn to chapter 12. Here in chapter 12, again, they're in exile, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people, just like Isaiah was told. Therefore, verse 3, Son of Man of chapter 12, pack your belongings for exile, and in the daytime, as they watch, set out and go from where you are to another place. So he's already in exile with them. They're all in exile, but now he's being exiled from his home. <laughs> and it's all symbolic. It's all a message uh, to the people that are there, that are watching all of this. Uh, perhaps they will understand, though they are rebellious people. Verse 4, during the daytime, while they watch, bring out your belongings packed for exile. Then in the evening, while they are watching, go out like those who go into exile. While they watch, dig through the wall and take your belongings out through it. Even though there's a gate, he is, he is a prophet. He's doing uh, the signs and symbols for the Lord. Verse 5 again, while they watch, dig through the wall and take your belongings out through it. Put them on your shoulder as they are watching and carry them out at dusk. Cover your face so that you cannot see the land, for I have made you a sign to the Israelites. And so Ezekiel does exactly that, and he symbolizes the exile that they are experiencing so that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is from the Lord. This is not the strength of the Babylonians. This is because of their sin, just as the Lord had warned. Well, now we turn to Ezekiel chapter 18, and I hope that you, uh, as you read these chapters, that you get a feel and that you're able to read these closely because Ezekiel 18 is a powerful chapter, and it's got some things that I have used throughout my ministry. Um, and so let's look at those, and it starts in chapter 18, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. So what about this parable, this proverb, the parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? Well, it's saying that when the parents sin, the children bear the brunt of it, and they, they are forced to suffer for the parents' sin. And we've read that. We've talked about that several times in Scripture. God says the consequences of sin are going to be shared to not only the children, but to future generations as well. They'll be in Babylon for 70 years. And so many in Babylon who are born while they're there, they didn't have anything to do with the sin that brought them there, but they're facing the consequences. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about uh, the spiritual death that comes out of punishment for an individual's sin. And so he says, you're no longer going to share this parable, this proverb, 
the, if the parents eat sour grapes, then it's the parents' teeth that will set, be set on edge, not the children's. And he goes on in the verses that follow, and he says, suppose a father has uh, a son who is, uh, in spite of how righteous the father is, the son is unrighteous. Uh, well, they'll bear the, the uh, reward or penalty for their own sins. And then suppose that that son has a son who sees the sinfulness of his father and decides he's not going to live that way. Well, his righteousness will be upon him. And I think the summary verse of this chapter is found in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. It's one of those that I think you should mark or at least be aware of because it really helps us to understand. Uh, there are some who believe that we suffer eternally because of the sins of uh, our ancestors, our parents, or even uh, Adam and Eve themselves. Ezekiel 18, verse 20 says that is just not so. We face the consequences, certainly so, of our sin, of others' sins, whether they're related to us or not. Uh, but that's different than saying God holds us accountable in a spiritual, eternal sense for the sins of someone else. That's just not true. There's nowhere to be found in Scripture. Um, we, we hold to what Ezekiel 18, verse 20 says, and here it is. <clears throat> the one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be credited against them. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm always glad I'm not wearing a microphone in my mouth when <laughs> I have to cough. <clears throat> Ezekiel 18 verse 20 is a powerful verse for this. The one who sins is the one who will die. The father will not bear the sin of the son, and the son will not bear the sin of the father. The, one, the righteousness of the righteous will be upon them and credited to them, the wickedness of the wicked will be upon them. They will face the punishment for their own sins. I hope that you remember that verse, Ezekiel 18, verse 20. It's in, a, it's in an obscure place in the middle of the Old Testament prophets, and yet it is such an important statement. The one who sins is the one who will die. Um, the righteousness of the righteous will be upon them and credited to them. The wickedness of the wicked will be upon them. And they will receive the punishment for that. Well, Ezekiel, like all the other prophets, is not all bad news. Because there's always that silver lining. And Ezekiel shares it several times, including this passage in chapter 11, beginning in verse 14. Ezekiel 11, verse 14. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the people of Jerusalem have said of your fellow exiles and all the other Israelites... They are far away from the Lord. This land is given to us. This land was given to us as our possession. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. I have still been with them, God says. Jeremiah is going to tell us that very clearly in just a moment. Verse 17, therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says says, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, uh, the heart that will be molded for God. We've seen this time and time again in the Old Testament. God is concerned for heartfelt worship. 
Ezekiel 12, continuing on, Ezekiel 11, verse 20. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. He's talking about the ones who are in exile as he's saying this. But God's promise to bring them home. Verse 21, but as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Ezekiel starts off in a great, great way, and, uh, and boy, his visions are amazing. And to think that he's doing all of this hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Palestine, away from Jerusalem, away from the people who uh, are in his homeland still, and now uh, that city will soon be destroyed, and Ezekiel and the people he's with are in a different country, in Babylon, in exile. Uh, and these words from the Lord have got to bring them uh, comfort and strength. Um, and so now we turn back to the book of Jeremiah. And I want us to look, we'll be in chapter 29 in just a moment, but let's get there for a moment. In, Je in Jeremiah 24 is one of his visions. It's the vision of the good and bad figs. And he sees a bunch of figs that are good and ripe, and he sees a bunch of figs that are bad and overripe and ruined. God tells him that the good figs are the exiles. They're the ones in Babylon, Ezekiel and the others. The bad figs are the ones who are still there in Jerusalem, uh, who are rebelling against God's word and rebelling against uh, the, uh, the army commanders and the king of Babylon. And now uh, soon, as we'll read in Jeremiah, will steal away uh, and flee to Egypt and take Jeremiah against his will uh, there. God clearly says it's the ones that are in exile that are the good fruit, and they're, they're going to be okay. The others, not so much. In Jeremiah 27 and 28, um, Jeremiah is told to build a yoke and put it on him, and it's symbolic of Judah's yoke, the yoke that God is putting on them at the hands of the Babylonians. And there's a false prophet throughout Jeremiah's time, as we've seen. There are false prophets who say exactly the opposite of what Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah says, we're going to be destroyed. God's had it with us. And these false prophets come along and they say, no, peace, peace. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. God's going to deliver us just like he delivered his people through the centuries. Well, this time that's just not true. This time it's because of their sinfulness that he is bringing this about. Habakkuk warns them and Jeremiah warns them. Well, Hananiah was one of those false prophets and he comes along and breaks that yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. And Jeremiah tells him the word of the Lord that he will die uh, because of his sinfulness and because of the false teaching and prophesying that he's taking it upon himself to speak words that the Lord had not given him. And sure enough, that prophecy comes to pass. And then we turn to Jeremiah 29. This is an incredible chapter. Jeremiah, we've seen Ezekiel in exile talking to his people there about what's going on back in Jerusalem and what's going on with them. Now Jeremiah in Jerusalem is going to send them a letter, write a letter to the exiles in Babylon. And this is what it says in Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice it wasn't the king of Babylon that did that. It was God himself. Jeremiah 29, verse 5, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. 
Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Well, what are they saying? They're saying that, oh, God's going to bring this to an end and we're going to go home real quick. Well, that's, that's not true. And so what does God tell them to do? Hey, as Joyce is prone to say to her children and her husband, when they're up doing something that uh, she doesn't want them to, plant it and grow roots. <laughs> and that's what God tells them to do. Uh, buy property, buy a house, plant a vineyard, plant, plant a farm, uh, plant, uh, plant good, so that the, because they're going to have time to grow and develop. The land will be developed. You're going to be there a long time. And not just that, pray for the peace and prosperity of the land where you are, the Babylonians who took you into exile. Pray that it'll go well there because if it goes well for them, it goes well for you. It's an incredible, incredible statement that God makes to, uh, through Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon. And it's such an important message for us today. We too are exiles. We'll finish today's uh uh, message with a reading from First Peter chapter two, written to modern to first century exiles, and to modern exiles. We are all exiles here in this land because our citizenship is in heaven, and yet God tells us, "Hey, you're going to be here a while." Uh, so pray for the peace and prosperity of the land where you are, wherever that is. Seek its good, not harm, uh, and and. Try to be successful. Try to have a family. Try to raise them up in the in the discipline and love of the Lord. All of that. Um, and that's what Jeremiah tells the exiles in this letter. Then verse 10. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And then that incredible verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Such an incredible, incredible statement. Uh, God says, uh, look, you're going to be there a while. In fact, I'll tell you exactly how long, 70 years. Jeremiah says that a couple of times. You're going to be there for 70 years. That's a long time. That's not what the false prophets were saying. But God says, so So plant it and grow roots. Uh, uh, build up a family. Get property. Uh, become successful there. And I will bless you. And pray that I will bless the people of the land there. Because that will be better for you. And that's what God tells us today as well. Even in a country that we feel like is on the wrong path in many ways. And we see sin all around us. Uh, still, we should pray for the peace and prosperity of this land. Those in uh, other nations are to do the same, to do the same. Uh, you say, yeah, but what if they're evil there? Well, you think they're more evil than the Babylonians? <laughs> you think they're more evil than the first century Romans? And yet, time and again in the New Testament, in passages like Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, other passages, God tells his people to be submissive and to, to pray for the good and the well-being 
of those who are their, their civil authorities and leaders. Um, Jesus said it himself, my kingdom is not of this world. And we saw that when we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel on Tuesday. And, and so we, we need to remember that as much as this country means to us, it means a lot to me. Um, and we pray for it to be better and we work for it to be better. But at the same time, we recognize that we're doing all of this because as the great Carrie Underwood sang several years ago in a beautiful song, this is my temporary home. It just flat is. And it's going to ebb and flow. Things are going to go well and not go well. And we may face one day the same fate as the Jews did at the hands of the Babylonians. God will one day be tired of us and our sin, and he will call it quits for America. I know that sounds horrible to think of, and I, I agree. I don't want it to happen. I think it's the best nation that's ever been around. And I hope and pray that it's around for a long time to come. But I also know that it is not eternal. That that kingdom that we read about in Daniel 2 on Tuesday, that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision and Daniel explained and interpreted it to him, that's the kingdom that will never be destroyed. And that is the church of Jesus Christ, as Jesus promised in Matthew 16, 18. This verse, verse 11, we need to be careful how we use it. We take this verse and the one from Second Chronicles 7, where Solomon is dedicating the temple and he says, if my people who are called by my name will turn to me in repentance, I will come to them and forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, that's all well and good, but you have to remember he's talking about a particular nation, the people of the Jews. And in this case, in Jeremiah 29, he's talking to people who have already lost the war. <laughs> their city is about to be destroyed. Their nation is about to be destroyed and no longer exist. And yet God says, hey, I've got great plans for you. They don't involve the southern kingdom of Judah, but they involve you. And I will take you home and I will bless you. I think he offers us that same promise uh, today. Uh, let's keep reading in verse 12 of Jeremiah 29. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Wait a minute, Bill. That can't be in the Old Testament. Uh-huh. Yeah. Time and again, time and time and time again in the Psalms and the prophets throughout and even in the law uh, from the hand of Moses, God calls on us to worship him with all of our heart, wholeheartedly. Here he says, look, even in exile, if you will seek me with your whole heart, that's when you will find me. Verse 14, I will be found by you declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. It's incredible, incredible promises uh, from God. And in the rest of the chapter, he warns against those false prophets who are not sharing his word, not seeking to know what his word and will are, and, and seeking to obey them. They're they're preaching what they want. And the words of Paul to Timothy in the New Testament, there's going to be people around you who are preaching what their hearers and their itching ears want to hear. And they're not preaching to you my word. We have to be careful to be preaching the Bible, the word of God, and to seek to follow it humbly, faithfully. Um, and that's what God calls on his people to do in Jeremiah's day 
and in Ezekiel's day, whether they're in Jerusalem or as this letter to the exiles in Babylon. Well, before we close, let's look at that chapter, at that 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter is a marvelous study. It's written to immigrants. It's written to exiles, uh, people who were forced out of their land, the land of Palestine in the first century because of the persecution led by Saul of Tarsus before he became the Apostle Paul. And they ended up probably the ones in the Galatian regions of, of the northern middle part of modern-day Turkey. And they went there with nothing, and they had nothing there. They were on the bottom of the social scale, the bottom of the ladder. And, and so First and Second Peter are written to them. And listen to what Peter tells them and us in First Peter 2, starting in verse 9. And we'll close with this reading. But you are a chosen people, First Peter 2, verse 9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. May we live up to these words. May God bless us and the land in which we live. I'll see you next week.